Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. Good morning, everybody. So good to see you. Happy Fourth of July weekend. Hey, before we get into the message, can we just say hi to our online family today. Come on, let's give them a hand. We love you. So grateful for you. We also want to give a shout out to Jeff Cole Jail. We are so proud of you. We are so honored to be a part of your life. And uh, for all of you that have prayer requests online, we just want to let you know, one, if you're at Jeff Cole Jail, you can kite your request to Chaplain Quinn. And then for the rest of you, you can email your, uh, your prayer request to, hang on, I always get this wrong. Faith.cares at faith.church. So that's for all of you as well. We want to make sure we're praying for you. We're covering you in prayer. If there's anything specific, please let us know because we do care for you. So just before we get into this today, with this, just to let you know, this is the final message on this series that we've called Anchored. And, you know, I started this message as things kind of in our world began to, to unfold in a way that seemed a little confusing, Right? We were like, what in the world's going on? Has anyone asked that question at all in the last three months? What in the world is going on? And then right when you think you got it figured out, everything else flips on its head. And you're like, what in the world is going on? It's important that we understand that as Christians living in a real world, that we have access to promises that steady us and anchor us in very difficult, confusing times. And my prayer was that all of us together would take a step forward in anchoring our lives to the assuredness of the Word of God. And last week we talked about the value of the Word of God. You've got to anchor your life to it. You can't ask the world what you should do with your life. You need to ask the Word what you should do with your life. And so today I want to finish this out. And this is what I titled this message, Remaining Strong Through Chaos. Does anyone, can, can we just, does anyone feel like it's chaotic right now? Yeah, it is. It's very chaotic. But I want you to know something. You can remain strong in the midst of chaos. Actually, not only in the midst of it, you can remain strong and go through it and come out on the other side. And so today, as we conclude this, my heart is to encourage you. My, my heart is to give you hope. Really, another real passion of, me, of mine is for you families, too, who have children who are getting so many messages from the world about what they should be doing, what they, what they shouldn't be doing. Listen, we are living in a, just so you're aware, in a culture that's wanting to capture your children and your grandchildren and your mind. But God has given us truth. So we don't have to, we can discern right from wrong. We can discern darkness from light. And let me encourage you families, if you aren't, if you aren't um, allowing the word of God to be the center of your homes or your individual single lives, whatever that may be, you are vulnerable to deception. And so we are living in a time that the light of Jesus Christ is going to be shining brighter and brighter and brighter. And just, you know, as, uh, as Joel was talking, there's a reality. As you worship, it's the light of Jesus. As you have truth, it's the light of Jesus. And everyone, everybody is intimidated by darkness. But I will say this. There is one speed that is faster than the speed of light. And that is darkness when light shows up. It leaves. It has to go. And so we're to be children of the light. 
And I want, as your pastor, I want you to walk in courage at this season. I want you to walk in boldness in this season. I want you to know that though the world or whatever is against you, it will not stand. Though the enemy comes in like a flood on your mind, on your emotions, on your family, and the world and the nation you live in, our God will raise up a standard against it in the name of Jesus. I want you to walk with your head high. I want you to walk as a child of God. I want you to know who you are. I want you to know what God's promises are. And come hell or high water, any demon, any voice of negativity to you that try to tell you that you're something that you're not, you're going to reject it in the name of Jesus, and you're going to be the people that God's called you to be. Amen? That's my heart for you. So, we are in a season of chaos. And in times like this, things start to feel a little shaky. And really, I just I want to just mention a few things today. It seems like even today that a lot of our foundations of society are being shaken. And to be honest, it feels like everything's being shaken. It feels like everything is like, you're like, what in the world is going on? As we look at our nation today, it's easy to see that the way of government that we functioned for hundreds of years is being shaken. Our freedoms, freedoms of speech and conscience and freedom of religion is being shaken. Marriages are being shaken. Families are being shaken. Economy is being shaken. Education is being shaken. The foundations of our moral and ethical values are being shaken. And here's the reality, my friends. Christians, we are being shaken. And God wants you to remain strong through chaos. And we're living in an incredible time of great upheaval. Now, I'm not telling you, like, well, gee, thanks, Jason. Thanks for telling me what I already know, Captain Obvious. But I, I, I just, I want to be, be, be real with you today. We're living in a time of, there's a lot of unsettledness in Christians and believers. There's a lot of Christians who are, who are pulling away from what they know to be true. They, they're, they're, they're being seduced by, there's a lot of this going on. It's not, and it's not just happened the last four months. Listen, this has been a very strong pattern. But I believe that God is calling the church to stand up. I believe that God is calling the church to come up to the place of where it should be. I believe God's calling the church to preach the word, to stand on truth. Don't be, don't be intimidated. Don't allow anybody to make you feel timid because God has not given us the spirit of timidity, but of love and power and a sound mind. God is saying, come on, church. Let's come up here. I want us to look at, though we recognize problems, I want us to look at the answers for your life to be anchored during chaos. And the answer of being light in a dark world. And that world is in need of the gospel and the truth of Jesus Christ. So in the midst of chaos, God wants you not just to survive, but, but to remain steadfast. To remain on the trajectory that he has for your life. He wants you to be anchored. And as our, as our world, let's just be honest, is demonstrating what it means to not know Jesus. Like nobody looks at what's going on in the world, but boy, isn't this great? Nobody's saying that. But they are demonstrating what a life, what a soul cries out for when they don't have Jesus in their life. 
And so, what, yes, and because of that, we are seeing that there are guardrails established by God in our society for our protection to execute justice. According to Romans 13, people are attempting to dismantle them. And what's interesting is that the dismantling of those systems and those guardrails for our protection is called not evil. It's being called good. It's interesting. What's, what's so interesting about it is that Isaiah, thousands of years ago, warned that any culture is, is actually headed to serious, serious trouble when it reverses the values and the principles that created the health of that culture in the first place. So I, I, this is important, especially 4th of July. I thought, you know what, I'm just going to speak to things as they are. So I'm not saying that all values are good. I'm not saying all values of our nation are good. I'm not saying that uh, we don't see the horrific um, head of sin raising its head throughout our very existence from the very beginning. I'm not saying in, that all of that is good because they're not biblical. But I am also recognizing that us as a nation, there are written values in our constitution and our laws that, that, that is what our nation is built on that is based on biblical principles. And so I, I want to lean into these a little bit, but, but, but before I do, let, let me show you this. As I, as I spoke about how society is, is kind of turning, it's calling good, evil, and evil, good. Isaiah saw the same thing. This is what he said in Isaiah chapter 5. He said, whoa. Everybody say, whoa. Whoa. That means hang on a minute. This is a warning. I'm warning you to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. What God is saying is that those who do this, who are, who are doing these things, they won't last. They will not last. And so we as children of the light are called to be the voice that speak up for good, that bring discernment to darkness. That's what we're called to do. So, you know, um, many of us lived in a time where we talked about the last days a lot. There were books written about the last days and somewhere around, you know, in the 70s and 80s, it was like Jesus at any moment, any moment, coming back, coming back, any moment. Any moment. Now we're like, okay, Jesus, um, you can come get us now. Okay, come on, we're ready. But there is this thing called the last days in Scripture. And Paul talks to Timothy about this in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Also speaking about kind of society and what's going on. As you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times for people will love themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends. They will be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious or act in a way that seems, that seems righteous, but they will reject the power that could make them godly, which is Jesus Christ. And then stay away from people like that. So we know that in the last days, which Paul is mentioning to Timothy, that we're going to see very plainly 
in our society and in our culture, we know what we're going to see. We're going to see this. We're going to see this. We're going to see what's going on in our world. So in this verse, Paul says to stay away from people like the church. He's writing this to Timothy. He's leading the church. Listen, you need to stay away. Stay away from people like that. In other words, don't align, align yourself with them. Don't, don't do that. Stay away. Now, you read some for Jesus. You share Christ with them. But I just I want to equip you today, church. God says, be very careful. But here's the question today. What do we do when the world around us is doing what Scripture says they're going to do? What do we do then? How do we respond? So I'm going to pull some principles from an account of Daniel that I believe is really, really powerful for us today. And I pray it gives you strength. It gives you some anchor points in your journey with God. And this young man had his world flipped upside down. He was in chaos, man. Crazy chaos. And so he... This incredible story, so I'm going to just read it really quick, and then I'm going to give us some principles about this today. So during the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylon, Bab- uh, Babylonia. It's, it's pagan, not Jewish. There's nothing right about the, their, their religion. There's nothing true about who they are. They're pagan, and a lot of the, it's very demonic. They're worshiping. And so he placed these sacred items in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Hashbanaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captive. He says this, select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said. Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Now listen to this. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years. And then they would enter a royal service. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azra were four of the young men cho- chosen from the tribe of Judah. The chief staff remained them, renamed them with these Babylonian names. And so, it just, so I just want to give you this, this picture of what's going on. So think about these guys. Their world's flipped upside down. Chaotic. They're ripped from the streets of their home in Jerusalem. They ripped from worshiping their God, from their culture. And these boys are put in a three-year, now listen to this, cultural indoctrination program to remove the truth of the Bible and replace it with Babylonian truth. It wasn't just ideas. It was, it was a comprehensive deconstruction of what they knew to be true from the Bible. They were to, not, they couldn't eat, they were, they were to only eat Babylonian food as well, but Daniel kind of made a deal with that. But they took, the, they took their Jewish names from them, which their Jewish name gave them identity. And this indoctrination went on for three years. Now listen, the definition of an indoctrination is this. It is a process of teaching a person or group to accept a set of beliefs uncriti- uncritically. Meaning you cannot even discuss it. You just must accept it without questioning anything. So this young man, Daniel, was in a world that he was not of. He was Jewish. He was a God lover. He was God's people. But he did honor God. And he did keep his integrity. 
And he did keep his faith in a hostile culture. He did not compromise. Now hear me. He did not buckle under cultural pressure. He served and he outlasts three different emperors of two different cultures. Daniel outlasts three administrations. And by the way, he leads two of those emperors to faith in God, which were Nebuchadnezzar and Cyrus the Great. Both turned to God when they saw Daniel's life and they saw his conviction for what he knew to be true. Daniel stayed anchored to God through his chaos. This is an amazing account, but it's very relevant for today. The Bible has some anchoring principles that can help us in our culture. So what are some of the causes of chaos? Quickly, I just want to give them to you before I get into these points because we're living in chaos. So what are some of these causes? Because, you know, is it this, is it this, is it this? I want to give you three areas of chaos. Number one, myself. Everybody say amen to that. I can cause myself a lot of trouble, right? We all can do that. I I started with this one because this is probably the primary channel of chaos in our lives. And this is, this is a, a major area that we lack. And the reason why I put it there as well, because um, personal responsibility for your own chaos is the only way that you're going to get through your chaos. Personal responsibility. So a person will never succeed in life or get saved for that matter until they can say, I sinned, I messed up, I take personal responsibility. That's the only way that you can get salvation. The truth is we cause ourselves more pain, more heartache from our, own, our wrong decisions, our, the things that we say out of our own mouths. Has anybody here ever ruined a nice family afternoon with something that you caused yourself out of your own mouth? Yes. Just say yes. Come on, everybody say yes. Yes, you have. (laughs) You have. So we create chaos in our own lives. But this first source of of chaos, it's a part of our nature that we're conforming on this earth. We are not conformed yet, but we are conforming into Christ's image. But in Christ, we have access to a new nature, but we have shadows of the old nature. We have voices of the old nature that say, you know, hey, get angry about this. Get mad about it. Lust over this. And, we have, and so we, we, are, we are in a battle, spirit and flesh, which actually Romans 7 is a chapter that explains really my biggest problem and your biggest problem, which is myself. A second area of chaos is, or causes of chaos is Satan. Satan's real. The demonic is real. And just so you know, he's plotting to discourage you. You have an adversary. And guess what? He doesn't like you. He doesn't like you because you're made in the image of God. He doesn't like you because you have the spirit of Christ inside of you. He doesn't like you because you have authority over him. But many of us don't even know it. He doesn't like you. He wants to discourage you. He wants to defeat you. He wants to create doubts in your life, depression, distractions to bring chaos in your life. And if you don't feel resistance from the devil in your life, it may be, I'm suggesting, it may be because you're heading the same direction as him. I don't know. But he's out to get you because he hates you. This is what you need to know. God has a good plan for you. God has an amazing plan for you. Satan also has a plan for you, and it's to destroy you, destroy your family, to put fear in you, for you to cower as a child and a king and a prince and princess in God. He wants to do that to you because he's after you. He wants to discourage you. Third source of chaos is 
the world. So this is the third source. The world is simply the the ideology of the, the system of the world. And I believe primarily the way the world tries to create chaos for you is to pull you down through ridicule, through withholding their approval of you until you conform to be like them. That's why scripture is clear. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. We are, we, here's, here's the truth, people. We are, we are desperate for people's approval. We're desperate. So the world, because we're desperate, the world can seduce us into lowering our standards or change our convictions and give in and give up simply because we want somebody to like us or we don't want to be rejected. So we just do whatever we need to do to kind of to, to stay in their good graces. This creates chaos and confusion in our minds and our spirits. But this is what I, I, I want you to know today. No matter what chaos you feel you are in or we are in together, we serve a God who can use all things, everybody say all things, all things for our good if we trust him with him. He can bring good out of bad. He can bring peace out of chaos in your life. Listen, he can even turn crucifixions into resurrections. That is our God, and he wants to do that for us today. Amen? So listen, the source of our chaos isn't nearly as important as our response to God in it, okay? So the source of it it isn't nearly as important as our response to God in the middle of our chaos. So we have an incredible opportunity before us to respond to God. And how then do we remain strong and steady in chaotic times? How do you lead your family? How How do you walk the journey with God? Number one, biblically, just don't be surprised by trouble, okay? Don't be surprised. This passage that we read about Daniel is tragic, but it wasn't surprising to him. You know why it wasn't surprising? Because they knew it was coming. The collapse of the nation of Israel was in shock when all of this happened. But it wasn't unexpected. It wasn't unexpected because they had prophets, they had preachers who were Jeremiah, Zephaniah and others had been saying, hey, listen, we're going to lose our nation if we don't turn back to God. Hey, listen, everything's going to change if we don't turn back to God. They they walked the streets. Jeremiah did it for 50 years. We're going to lose our freedom as, 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 as God's children if we don't change, if we don't turn back to God. So Daniel wasn't surprised when they, they came and they, and they drug the people out of their home and enslaved them. Because he wasn't surprised, so listen to me, it allowed him to respond versus freak out. It allowed, it allowed him to think, okay, all right, I knew this was coming. God's going to use this. And so he started looking for ways to respond. But the Apostle Peter, I want to give you another passage, talks about trouble this way out of 1 Peter 4. He says, dear friends, don't be surprised at fiery trials or troubles you're going through. As if something strange were happening to you. (laughs) In other words, like, don't don't act like, oh my gosh, what's going on? He's like, don't be surprised. Because they're coming. They're coming. But God is going to use them. What Peter's saying is that trouble's a normal part of life, right? I think we all know that. I think we all know trouble is a normal part of life. Um, I think we all know that we're not in heaven yet. 
In heaven there's no tears, no sorrow, no conflict, no disagreements, no suffering. But here on earth, everything is tainted because of sin. There's going to be trouble. And so how do we remain anchored is one, don't be surprised when we go through it. Jesus said this in John 16. He says, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart. Come on, take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus warned us trouble was going to be coming. It's a part of life. But he also, I love this, he reminds you who is in control. He is. Because we think, oh gosh, uh, God, are you in control? He's like, yeah, yeah, hang, hang on. You're going to have trouble, but take heart. I'm in control, son. I'm in control, daughter. I've got this. But take heart. I've got this. But for us in the midst of chaos, I believe... Now listen to me for a second here. I just want, I want to lean in. I believe we spend most of our times, instead of responding appropriately, we spend most of our time trying to find the donkey to pin the tail on during chaos. Who's doing it? Whose fault is it? But here's, here's, here's what I want, want to challenge you today. In chaos, instead of trying to find who's responsible, this is the one question that I want you to walk away with today is this one, this question here. God, what do you want me to do? Everybody say me. You are only responsible for your behavior. You are only responsible for your engagement with God. God, what do you want me to do in this chaos? What do you want me to do? This is about your personal relationship with God and your personal responsibility. And before you, before you, in this unprecedented times, you have an opportunity to respond to something. Now listen, that not everybody has been entrusted with. Not everybody has been trusted with this season. But you have because God knew he could trust you with it. You have an opportunity to respond. God, what do you want me to do? But I will say this, we do get ourselves in trouble whether you're Christian or whatever, whether what you believe and what, how you respond to pandemics or cultural unrest, like whatever that is, we get ourselves in trouble, our hearts, our spirits, and our minds in trouble and turmoil when we start asking God about how other people should respond to the situation instead of how we should. You get yourself in trouble. Yeah, okay, I know, I know, I'll, I'll tell But they should be doing this. They should be doing this. They shouldn't be doing this. Why are they doing this? Why is that Christian responding that way to that? Why? And all of a sudden we start getting our, we're, we're crazy-eyed because we're trying to, we're frustrated that they're not, they're not doing something the way that maybe we would. But we haven't stopped and asked the question for us. God, hang on, God. What do you want me to do? That's the biggest question you could answer. What? does God want you to do? I believe that that is a strategy, the, the distraction of, of causing divisions about what they should do, they should do, they should do, that Christian should do, that pastor should do. How can that pastor not saying that? How can that pastor not saying that? How come you're not saying this about minorities? I mean, not saying this about police. How come you're not saying about masks? How come you're saying that don't wear masks? How come you say, ah, we're all over the place? God, what do you want me to do? I want to challenge you. Have, that, have you asked that question? Or have you been preoccupied of what everyone else should be doing? And just embrace the reality, God, I'm going to obey you with my life. Don't get hung up, my friends, on what someone else should be doing because you, you can't control them. You need to focus on what you should do 
you should be doing in your trial and your trouble and your chaos. Because you're going to stand before God one day. And nobody else is going to be there. So I want to encourage you. Be faithful to what you feel and believe God wants you to do. That's the answer that is based on his word. Not someone else. Not something else. What's the word say? God, I'm going to do that. And it's going to be all right. Amen. You guys with me today? Don't be surprised. Ask a question. Look at his word. Listen to his voice. Obey him. That's your personal responsibility. God, what do you want me to? Second way we can respond to chaos is actively look for ways that God can use it for your good. Daniel chose to find ways to allow God to open doors without compromising his, his life. Same way for you. Look for ways in the middle of chaos. I look for ways that God might use it in my life for his good. I'm, I'm looking for it. I'm, I'm, I'm digging. I'm, because he promised he would, therefore I'm going to get it. Because there's some good in this storm. Because he wants to use. Listen, God wants to use everything. Everything. Even bad things in your life to bring good out of it in your life. And if you want to remain strong, if you want to be secure, if you want to continue growing in chaotic times and hostile cultures as Daniel did, you need to look for ways that God takes the things in your life, through your life, shakes you up a little bit, and he uses it for your good. Why, why do I know? Listen, Jeremiah 29, 11, this, this whole thing is written when, when, when Israel is being led off to Babylon, being led off into captivity, Daniel and everybody, and everybody's hearts are like, God, you've abandoned us. God, your future must not be good for us. God, God, everything is going to, to you know, it's destroying everything and, and division, and we're being led off into slavery. God, we know that you must not have a future for us. And God responds out of Jeremiah 29, 11 and says this, you don't know the plans. I know the plans. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Because sometimes what you see with your eyes is not the reality of what God is doing. I hope you know that. So you are to mine for good in all situations. It's your responsibility. Listen, the enemy has plans for your life. And that's destruction and pain. God has plans for your life, and they are always good to give you a hope, to give you a future. He's, he is for you. He's not against you. He's not wanting to hurt you. He's wanting to prosper you and give you a hope and a future. He has great plans for you. I want you to say this today. I have a future, and it's good. Uh, you need to say that. You need to own that in these seasons and times. There are some benefits of trouble. There are benefits of chaos. One, it disrupts our normal patterns of life. Our thinking gets disrupted. Our schedules get disrupted. It causes us not to just go through the motions of life. We, we, gotta, we, we can't hide behind the busyness of life. We have to come to grips with some things in our own lives that slows us down so that we can look for what God wants to do. And that's what I want for you. So these are a couple ways that God can use chaos for your good. First off is that it reveals what's actually going on in my heart. I hope you know that pressure, pressure does not cause attitudes. It reveals the attitudes that's already in there. So pressure does. And God doesn't do it to humiliate you. He does it because he loves you. And he wants, to, he wants to help you become stronger and be a man of God and be a woman of God. 
Pressure exposes motives, exposes character, exposes unhealthy emotions that we've, we've never dealt with. I can't hide behind anything anymore during pressure and chaos. God uses trouble to reveal what is in your heart. God already knows what's going on in you. He doesn't need problems to tell him because he already knows. But he uses issues and, and chaos to reveal what's in your heart to yourself so that as it comes to the surface, you can ask him to help you and he can heal you. When God uses promises in your, problems in your life, it's because he wants you to know what's out of line. Just, just, has anybody discovered that this season of our lives that we're in has exposed some things in your life you didn't know was there, right? Come on, raise your hand, come on, come on. Yes, okay. The rest of you, you're lying. Because chaos does, it's exposed things in my life. God's had to deal with things and mistrust in my life that I have towards him. And I, I've just said, like, God, I didn't know that was there. And God uses these pressure times to do some good in your life. Look at Psalm 139. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. This is a man after God's heart who's still recognizing, man, God, I got, I, you got to get some stuff out of me. But that's the gift of trials and trouble and chaos, a disruption, a chaos. It shocks us, and then we can see what's in our own heart. And then as things, as all of a sudden we see things are out of sorts, they comes to the surface and we go, oh, God, I didn't know that was there. God, look, look what's in me. Yuck, where'd this come from? And then we can give it to God and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Search me, oh God, some more. Get more out of me that is unpleasing to you. Jeremiah 17 says this. This is God speaking. I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. Notice motives. Notice the secret motives. Listen, what, why is, why? The, the why you're doing something is more important than what you're doing. It's more important to know your motives than it is about what you're doing. Because you can do something with the wrong motive. And that's why God needs to search our hearts. It's not what you do, but why you do it. God looks at the heart. God looks at the motives. And the Bible oft, often compares problems to, re, to a refining fire. And a refining fire is that they would put gold or precious metals and they'd melt it down. And they keep heating it up and they keep torching it up. They keep cranking up the heat. And, you're, and, and the, the gold is, is melting. But then, okay, it's melted. But they keep cranking up the heat because as they crank up the heat, you know what happens? The impurities come to the surface of the gold. And when they come up to the surface, the, the refiner skims off the impurities and cranks up the heat some more. The hotter it gets, the more impurities come to the surface. And so what trials do, it, it reveals our motives and it brings impurities to the surface so God can remove them. Do you know when the refiner, the individual, 
that is scraping the, the impurities off the top. Do you know when he knows when the gold is, is, is purified, you know, you know what, what he does? He can see his reflection in it. And that's what God is doing in our lives through these times. 1 Peter 1.7 says this. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire test purifies gold. Through your faith is far more, your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. That's gonna be a great day, but that is what God uses these tests and trials and chaos for. So the impurities that chaos brings to the surface is for our good. Everybody say, my good. It's for your good. I know you don't, it doesn't always feel that way, and I agree, it doesn't. But it's for my good because my God loves me. So the impurities that chaos brings to the surface is purifying. It's actually us becoming what God has called us to be. So what has God revealed, let me just ask you a question, in your heart through these days of chaos? Has he revealed hatred? You didn't know it was there. Has he revealed mistrust of God, of him? Has he revealed a critical spirit towards a particular generation? Has he uncovered judgments you have made towards people groups of different colors than your own? Or judgments towards those of your own color, your own ethnicity? Has this chaos revealed your desire to be accepted by the world more than being different than the world? Has this chaos revealed your lack of love and concern for those truly hurting and, treat, and treating um, people unjust or unfair? Has this, has this chaos revealed issues in your marriage and relationship that you didn't know was there? Has this revealed something in your heart towards your mistrust towards, towards leaders or mistrust towards pastors or mistrust towards church? or have, What is this revealed in you? And I don't know what that is. But as it does, this is your opportunity to allow God to remove that which is in your heart because he wants to do it. It's an opportunity, number two, it's an opportunity to make a change. This is an opportunity to make a change. And I absolutely believe that God is using trouble and chaos and giving us an opportunity to make the changes in our life that he wants us to make. Many of us need changes. I need changes. I, so many of us need to make changes of our relationships, maybe career. Let's just get practical of, of our business, of our finances. And before it was too drastic to make a change. Now chaos is kind of put in this place where well, I guess anything's possible now. I can make any change I want to. God wants us to make the change that we already know we need to make. Proverbs 16.9 says this. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. That's what we want from God in this season and in this time. Third way to remain strong through chaos and trouble is number three. Above all else, guard your heart. Amen. During troubled times, now hear me today, we get very vulnerable to distractions and other influences. We get our eyes off of Jesus. We get our eyes off of the word. It's just, it's just natural in our nature to do that. It's so important that you diligently choose which voices you allow to influence you. Choose those influences wisely and biblically. I, I, just, I want to encourage you in that today. 
Do not think, it doesn't really matter. I, I can listen to whoever. No, that's not true. Because what you allow in your heart will manifest in your beliefs and your actions. Remember Daniel and the Babylonians. They were dead set in removing and infiltrating their culture into his culture. And it was subtly and it was over a long period of time. And they removed things from his life. But he remained strong. Be careful what you allow to influence you. Psalm 423 says this. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. So, in this final message of staying anchored, do you allow how much is social media affecting your heart? How much is news affecting your heart? How much are unbiblical voices affecting your heart? There are so many voices wanting you to be on their side. Has anyone, anyone noticed that? Their side of whatever, their side of the narrative, their side of truth, and they demand that you better choose a side. And all that starts with what we allow to influence us. As Christians, as followers of Jesus, please listen. Your only obligation is to submit, obey, and be a servant of God and follow him. Do you believe me? Your only obligation is to be a, be a Jesus lover, to follow him. That is what you will be held accountable for, nothing else. There's an incredible interaction, I'll close with this passage, with an angel of the Lord near Jericho in Joshua chapter 5. And Joshua was wanting the angel of the Lord to choose sides. Now remember, remember church, you are of a different citizenship than earth. I hope you know that. You are of the kingdom of God. You're, listen, when you got saved, God gave you a new last name. He, 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 he identified you as his. You left the kingdom of darkness, stepped into the kingdom of light. You became a citizen of God, part of his family. So you're different than everybody else. And so in this interaction, Joshua was wanting this angel to choose sides, which seemed like the right thing to do since Joshua was leading God's people. But the angel answered Joshua's question from a more superior position. So here's Joshua. Of course, it's God's people. Of course, they're supposed to conquer Jericho. Yes, of course, God is with them. Look at this interaction out of Joshua chapter 5. When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and demanded, hey, are you my friend or foe? Are you with me or against me? Which side are you on? And this is, listen what the angel says, neither one. I am the commander of the Lord's army. And at this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? God's position, listen, 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 listen. God's not on anybody's side. He's on his own side. He, he has his own area to be on. That is where God is. And I want to encourage you, friends, in this chaotic season and time that everybody is demanding, pick, choose. Listen, I just want to encourage you. Remain on God's side. Don't be swayed by left, right, 
Republican, Democrat, no, no, listen, you are different. You're, you're a nun. You are a citizen of heaven. Uh, you are about the Lord's business. You are called to be different. You don't have to choose a side because you're already on God's side and you've chosen yours. You're going to follow Jesus. That's the side you're on. Choose it, walk it, stay anchored in the season of chaos. And I want to encourage you. Ask the question, God, what do you want me to do? How can I respond and obey your voice? How can I read your word and, and, and respond to that? God, I just want to be on your side. And when you lay your head on your pillow at night, you won't have all this anxiety of, oh, man, and this and this person and that person. Unless you just lay your head down and you say, Lord, it's so good to be on your side today. Help me sleep good tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You don't have to live in these two areas. You just be with God and be his child. He'll take care of you. Amen? Come on, let's give God a hand for who he is. Amen. Let me pray for you today. Father, I want to thank you for your word that counsels us, that speaks to us, that leads us. Lord, we know we're living in chaotic times. And as we conclude this series on Anchored, God, I pray that we as a church will become stronger and stronger and stronger. That, Lord, we would look at the word. We would allow your word to penetrate our hearts. Lord, that we wouldn't be surprised by difficult seasons and times. But, Lord, in the middle of them, we would be reminded, Jesus, that you are with us. You are in control and you are walking with us. Lord, help us not to pull back. Help us not to shrink back. Help us not to be intimidated. Help us to lean in and be what you called us to be. Lord, I pray for those here today, that this season, really all of us, this season has brought impurities to the surface. It has tested our faith. And Lord, today I want to ask you, actually God, I want to give you permission to continue to remove anything in me that is unpleasing. Search me, oh God. Search me, oh God. Search my motives. Search my heart, search my attitude, search my, my trust in you. Lord, I humbly lay my life at your feet and ask you to continue to use this for my good. Continue to use this for my future, for, my, for your plans for me. God, today I pray that we would guard our hearts diligently against all voices that are not yours in Jesus' name. Lord, we choose you. We choose you today. God bless my families. Encourage and let them walk with strength and power and courage. Let them know, God. Let them know who they are. Let their confidence be in you. And may we continue to be light in a dark world, to be truth, to speak up about you, to proclaim your word and your gospel, to hold firm and to be followers and lovers of you above anything else. In Jesus' name. Just remain with your heads bowed for a moment. If you're here today or joining us online and you would say, I don't know Jesus and I need to know him. If you want to know Jesus today and you're online or you're here, nobody's looking around, just as a sign of faith, just lift your hand right now to receive him. Is there anyone want to give your life to Jesus today? And hold it up. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. You can put your hands down. Anyone else want to give your life to Jesus? It's the greatest decision you ever make. 
If you're joining us online, just right where, just lift it up right where you are. We're going to pray a prayer with you who raised your hand. And if you didn't and you still want to receive Christ, this is your chance. We're going to pray it with you because we love you. And we've all prayed this prayer as we came, as we became a son and a daughter of God. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose from the dead. I give you my life today. I ask you to forgive me. I admit that I'm a sinner. And I need you to cleanse me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for giving me a new heart. Thank you for giving me a new life. Thank you for changing my name. Thank you for making me a part of your family. I put my trust in you today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's give God a hand today. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Listen, if you gave your life to Jesus today, um, I'm just going to ask you just simply text SAVE to the number on the screen, and we will help you on your journey. So let's all stand up, and let's thank God for his goodness in our lives. Come on, let's give God one more hand today for who he is and his word. Amen. 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 Let me bless you and pray for you today. Lord Jesus, I pray you bless our families, bless their homes. God, encourage them, strengthen them, remind them you're walking with them, remind them of who they are, remind them that you've called them to be light, remind them that they are going to remain anchored in the midst of chaos, remind them, God, you are for them, you are not against them, they will overcome in the name of Jesus.